0: Genesis 25:20 20, New King James Version Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah as wife the daughter of Bethuel the Syrian of Padan Aram the sister of Laban the Syrian Now Isaac pleaded with the Lord for his wife because she was barren and the Lord granted his plea and rebecca his wife conceived but the children struggled together within her and she said if all is well why am i like this so she went to inquire of the lord and the lord said to her two nations are in your womb two peoples shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. I want to speak to you today on the struggle for spiritual authority. And you may be seated. Amen. I feel what the Bible calls the unction, an unction from The Holy One. We are the people of God. Amen. Amen. You believe you're part of the people of God? Say amen. amen. And we have been given exceeding great and precious promises. Old Testament and New, God has promised His people. He told Abraham, I will bless you. I will multiply you. I'm going to make your descendants like the stars of the sky and the sands of the sea for multitude. And he said, your descendants are going to possess the gates of their enemies. He told his people that if they would obey him and walk in truth, that he would make them the head and not the tail. They would be above and not beneath. And the Lord would give them power over all their enemies. Psalm 91 tells us that He will keep us in all of our ways, that we will tread upon the lion and the adder, that the young lion and the dragon we will trample under our feet. Jesus told the 12 apostles, I give you power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of diseases or sicknesses and all manner of... Of disease. Jesus said in Luke 10 that I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any mean hurt you. Jesus said, You shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and unto Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth James said that if you will submit yourself to God that you will resist the devil and he will flee from you John said greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world those are just a sampling of the promises that God has given us as his people But just like the response that you just gave to those promises, many times we live beneath the promises and the power of God. And we are in an epic struggle to obtain and walk in spiritual authority. Sometimes these promises seem distant, afar off, like a pipe dream that is never realized and always just kind of out there somewhere. Today I pray that you will be challenged by the promises and the potential of what God has said that our church, that you as a believer, can have in your life. Not just as something on ink and paper, but something that is alive in us that God has promised His people. Amen. Amen. You may be reaching for it, but I want you to take hold of it. I don't want it to just be somewhere out there. I want it to be part of the power of this church and of your life today. This is the epic struggle for spiritual authority. And very often it is the struggle between the flesh and the spirit. I think that this struggle is kind of depicted in the struggle between Jacob and Esau in your Bible. Isaac was 40 years old when his storybook bride, Rebecca was brought back to him by his father's servant. It was a miraculous marriage, but now this storybook marriage has turned into somewhat of a nightmare. Because Rebecca, beautiful Rebecca, cannot have children. Now you may remember that God told Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, uh, these three uh, men, the patriarchs of Israel, but I read a while ago that your descendants are going to be like the stars of the sky and like the sands of the sea for multitude, but, but Abraham only has one son of promise. There's Ishmael, but he's sent away. Now, Isaac has this same promise. He's the only descendant of Abraham that God is going to work through, and his wife cannot even have one child. So the promises of God seem to be lost here, that nothing is ever going to happen. We don't even have one star in the sky. We don't even have one grain of sand on the seashore. God's plan is getting off to a very slow start. Isaac is already 40 years old When he gets married And he is praying for the promises of God To come to pass in his life And in his family But nothing is happening happening at all And now if you read the story There's been about 20 years passed by And Isaac and Rebecca Still do not have a single child at all Isaac almost 60 years old and finally after 20 years god has finally heard his prayer and rebecca is expecting their very first child rebecca is going to have a baby but she's experiencing complications with her pregnancy she feels like something is drastically wrong inside of her She feels sick and there's no sonogram to tell her whether she's okay or not. She doesn't know if she's going to have a boy or girl. She doesn't know if she's going to have a baby or twins or triplets or quadruplets. She just knows that inside of her, it feels like there is a war going on. There's an internal struggle. There are days that Rebecca feels like she just ate a giant meat lover's pizza, five chili dogs, a frosted orange, 12 chicken nuggets, and washed it down with a super-sized Coke. She feels sick inside. You know that feeling, like, uh, uh. Like all of that food you ate is having a knockdown drag out. Rebecca feels this going on inside of her. and verse 22 of Genesis 25, the Bible said, but the children struggled together within her. And she said, if all of this is the promise of God, if this is what the Lord has been telling me is going to happen, what in the world is this inside of me? If everything's so good, why do I feel so bad? Why is it like this? So she goes to inquire of the Lord. She wants to know. I mean, you think about this. These two boys are inside of her. And, you know, inside their own embryonic protectors, they are fighting. They're struggling inside of her. So she goes to God to ask what this is all about. Genesis twenty five thirty three. And the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb. Oh, that's just great. I knew if something was bad wrong. Two people shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other, and the older is going to serve the younger. Now, this has to be perplexing to Rebecca. These boys are not even born and they're already fighting. What's going to happen when they're born? You talk about sibling rivalry. Rebecca is bracing herself for the birth of these twins that are inside of her. And then this prophecy that the older is going to serve the younger. It reminds us of many other cases in the Bible where the younger brother replaces the older brother as having the promises of God. You might think of Isaac following Ishmael, of Zerah and Perez who were twins, of Joseph and Benjamin the younger brothers, of the twelve sons of Jacob, of Ephraim and Manasseh, of David and his older brothers, of Solomon and Adonijah. And you may remember that Jesus said, "'Except you be born again.'" Whatever your first birth was, that was born of blood. But a second birth is a birth of the Spirit. And God is foreshadowing. He is hinting at something that what is born of the flesh is just flesh. That something has to be born of the Spirit if we are ever going to inherit the promises of God. You've got to be born again. back to our story. The Bible says that when her days were fulfilled for her to give birth, indeed, there were twins in her womb. She heard that, but now she's going to see it. Esau is born first. And he comes out. This is what the Bible says, your Bible. He is red, and he's like a hairy garment all over And they called his name Esau, which means red. And he is born a hairy little guy. I'm jealous, sort of. And he's either ruddy-complected or he has red hair. And as Esau is being born, there's a hand that is hanging onto his heel. How strange. Is this, how is this even happening? Jacob is born second, but he is born fighting for first. He is fighting for preeminence. He is fighting for a promise that was given to his mother that one will be stronger than the other and the older will serve the younger. Now you may know that biblically, the older sibling, the older brother, always got a double portion of the blessing because it was incumbent upon them to care for their parents. So Esau is in line for the firstborn blessing of his father Isaac, but there is Jacob who is born second, and he is struggling against all odds to be first. What a crazy story. Isn't this an amazing, I know you're Bible readers, but isn't this an amazing story? Esau is named for his appearance, he is red. But Jacob is named for his actions. He is hanging onto the heel of his brother, trying to pull him down, pull him back. He is born second, but he will not settle until he is first. Two nations, one stronger than the other. The older will serve the younger. And these boys are vastly different. They are certainly not identical twins. Isaac, excuse me, Esau is a skillful hunter. He is a man of the field. He's always out on a hunting expedition but Jacob was a more mild man dwelling in tents. He's not an effeminate young man but he's just not like that. He likes to hang around the house and he likes to cook. Then there's another setup in this story. The Bible tells us that Esau was loved by his father Isaac so dad has a favorite. He loves Esau because Esau would go hunting and he would arrow a deer and bring it back home and cook that savory venison and Isaac would eat it and he would put his arm around the hairy shoulder of Esau and hug his hairy face and his hairy head and he would say, boy, I love you. Maybe not with that same accent, but. But Rebecca loved Jacob. Now, just a little tip here don't do that in your family. You may feel a certain way about one of your children, but don't program your family for failure. Now, one day, Jacob was doing what he normally did, he was cooking. And he made a stew of lentils. And it was a red stew. Must have had a lot of Hungarian paprika in it or something. <clears throat> and uh, Esau was out hunting, but this day he was not successful. And he thinks he is starving to death. Now, there's something we learn about Esau in the Bible, that he's impulsive, he wants it now. And he's hungry, so he just thinks he's going to die. And as he comes back to the home place, there's Jacob there cooking this, you know, amazing pot of stew over probably an open fire. And Esau gets a whiff of that, and he's fainting with hunger, and surely he's going to die. And Esau says to his brother, Jacob, feed me some of this same stew, this red stew for I am weary. And that's why his name was called Edom. He's the father of the Edomites, which means red. And Jacob, the heel grabber, Jacob, the supplanter, Jacob, the tricky one, Jacob, the manipulator, Jacob, the guy who's going to make it happen by human means. doesn't take him long to think this through and he says to his older brother I tell you what sell me your birthright that privilege of the firstborn that double portion sell me that that belongs to you and I will give you some of my stew and esau in his impetuous nature wrongly rationalizes and says, I'm about to die. What good is a birthright going to do me if I'm dead? Well, Jacob says, you swear to me as of this day and Esau sells his birthright for a bowl of bean soup, a lentil, Stew. Jacob gave Esau bread and stew and he drank and rose and went his way and the Bible tells us Genesis 25, 34 Thus Esau despised his birthright He lightly esteemed what was a promise from God that should have been his as a firstborn He did not have a value of spiritual things We learn a lot about Esau in this story and from the Bible. Immediate gratification meant more to Esau than long-term blessing. Esau is described in your Bible in the book of Hebrews 12, 16 as a fornicator and a profane or or godless person who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. Let me explain something to you about the ways of God. God is not about instant gratification. God is not about get it now. God is not about selling your morality for some kind of a fling. God is not about fornication, which is a person who cannot wait for marriage. God is not about that you've got to have a microwave God or a fast food God. God is about process. God is about prayer. God is about waiting for what God has said that you can one day have. But there are a lot of people who will sell out on the blessings of God for a moment of pleasure, for instant gratification. And they will cheat and steal and lie and do whatever it takes to try to get something now. That's what we learn about Esau. He cannot control his passion, he cannot wait, he is a godless person, he despised what God promised, now this sounds like the story is starting to line up to the prophecy that the Lord gave Rebekah, two nations are in your womb, two people will be separated from birth they the, the one will be stronger than the other and the older will serve the younger now this is a long story in the bible that i will condense later in genesis 27 when father isaac is ready to now pray a blessing over her, his firstborn son, Isaac, that he favors and loves very much because he hunts and kills and cooks and gives it to his dad. Both boys can cook a savory stew. But Rebecca hears this. And Isaac sends Esau on a mission to harvest a deer and bring the venison back. And Rebecca says to Jacob, I want you to trick your father. He's going to give a blessing now. So go get a little goat and let me cook it up for you and then I want you to take the skin of that goat and put it all over you. Can you imagine that Esau was so hairy he felt like the height of a goat? Wow, that wiry, hairy goat hair. So Jacob goes in and he tricks his father and it's a long story. And uh, after he blesses Jacob, thinking that it is... Esau, and as soon as Jacob goes out of the house, Esau comes in with his deer, cooks it and brings it to his father and says, here I am, dad, I'm ready for my prayer of blessing. And Isaac says, who are you? Your brother has deceived you and Esau says in Genesis 27, 35, Esau, Isaac says, your brother came with deceit and has taken away your blessing. And Esau said, is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright and now he has taken away my blessing. And he says, dad, don't you have a second blessing for me? And Esau, say, Isaac says, you know, I, I've given him the blessing and I have made him your master. And all your brethren, all of his brothers are going to serve him. And then he blesses Esau with a secondary blessing. And the Bible says that Esau hated Jacob. And why not? He's ripped him off twice. And Esau says, the days of the mourning of my father, he thinks his dad's going to die. He lives for years, over 20 years. But as soon as dad's dead, I'm killing my brother. Rebecca hears about this. Tells her little pet, Jacob. Get out of here, boy. Run. Run for your life. You know what a good shot Esau is. He could probably hit you standing or running with his bow so go go to Uncle Laban's house and get away from here and this is another series of long stories but Jacob runs for his life he goes to Uncle Laban's house and he he serves him you know there's Bethel and the the pillar and the ladder into heaven and then on to Laban's house and he works seven years to marry beautiful. Rachel, the younger daughter of Uncle Laban, and now he has met somebody who is trickier than him. In the dead of night, the veiled bride, and in the morning, it is Leah, not Rachel. Uh. So Jacob goes to Uncle Laban and said, I worked seven years and you've ripped me off. Well, that's the way it is around here. We never give the younger daughter away first. Work seven more years and you can have Rachel. He works seven more years. I think he gets her and marries her sooner than that. He works seven more years and now he marries Rachel, and then he works about seven more years for flocks and herds. He's there about 20 years total, and then he is working for Uncle Laban, and Uncle Laban at every twist and turn is doing to Jacob what Jacob has always done to everybody else. Doesn't God have a way of putting people in your life to kind of help you see yourself in the mirror? And as I said, there are many stories in this story. But finally, after 20 or so years, the Lord tells Jacob, it is time for you to go back to your father's house. It's time for you to go home. He gathers his wives and his children and his flocks and his herds. And, and they leave and they're, they're going back home. And there's a lot of drama involved in all of that. And Jacob is talking to himself and he says, you know, 20 years is a long time. I I'm pretty sure Esau's cooled down by now. In Genesis 32, he sends some messengers to his brother Esau and he tells him, "Oh, uh, tell my brother Esau that I've been really blessed and I've dwelt with Laban until now and I've got donkeys and flocks and servants and I just want to let you know I'm coming home and I hope I can find favor in your sight. And the servants come back to Jacob and they say to him, we came to your brother Esau and he's coming to meet you. Isn't that good news? And he's got 400 men with him. Esau still hates Jacob. Esau wants to kill Jacob. The Bible says, one of the great understatements of the Bible, and Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. He divided the people. And he said, if Esau comes and attacks one, maybe I can spare another. He has an emergency prayer meeting where he tells the Lord, oh, you're the God of my father Abraham and Isaac and me and... I'm doing what you told me to do and I'm not worthy of all your mercies and here I come and deliver me from my brother for I fear him and you said that my descendants were going to be like the stars of the sky and the sand of the seashore and and then he tries to bribe his brother. He begins to send the presents to him and 200 of this and 20 of that and 30 of this and 40 of that and 10 bulls and he gets all these presents and he lines them up in successive droves and, and they go to where Esau is and Esau says, what is this? And, oh, this is a present from your brother and he's behind us, way behind us. Here's the next bribe gift and what is this? Oh, it's a gift from your brother Jacob and Jacob's behind us and another and another and another and nothing changes Esau is still ready Jacob is saying I will appease him with this present and afterward I will see his face and perhaps what a gamble perhaps we, he will accept me Jacob the heel grabber Jacob the plotter Jacob hes going to make it work somehow he's going to find a way to make it work But this is not working too well. Perhaps he'll accept me. Jacob, the heel grabber, has always found a way to get away and to get his way. But now none of this is moving Esau. And time, time can sometimes help, but time cannot heal. And for Esau the red hot anger that burned in that boy was still burning in him. He hated his brother Jacob and he still had a vow that one day he would kill him. Maybe the struggle that began before birth would end in a bloodbath. And finally the guy who always tried to make it happen did what had to happen. All along. Eventually, you have to face what you fear. It was not Esau that Jacob had to please, it was God. This is the heart of my message today that the struggle for spiritual authority is ultimately a spiritual battle. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We do not manipulate our way to success. We believe that God is a blesser of people who please Him. Jacob is left alone. And ultimately, this is where it has to happen. You and I has to get along with God. We've got to deal, not with Esau, we've got to deal with the man or the woman in the mirror. A man wrestles with him all night long until the breaking of the day. This is not Jacob's Nature to physical combat, but he is there by the creek jaybock, and they are in the mud, and maybe there's some blood, but they are wrestling. Wrestle for three minutes and see how you feel. I mean, really, wrestle for just a little while and see how fatigued you are, but Jacob is wrestling with Whoever this is, an angelic being, a theophany of God, is wrestling all night long. And when Jacob will not give up, when Jacob will not let go, finally, this supernatural being touches the hollow of his thigh and, and Jacob's hip is out of joint and Jacob will still not let go. And, and the being says, let me go for the day is breaking. And Jacob says, I will not let you go until you bless me. There's something inside of Jacob that says I was born for superiority. I was born for spiritual authority. I've been trying to make it happen all of my life. I know I've got promises. I know I've got a future. But something's got to die here. Something's got to be born here. Something has to change inside of me. I will not let you go until you bless me. What is your name? My name is Jacob. Not anymore a heel grabber. Now your name is changed to Israel. You are a prince. You have struggled with man and God and you have prevailed. So now your old nature has died at Jabbok. Your old man has given up there because you would not let go and you would not quit until something spiritual, something superior was born inside of you. You have struggled with God and men. And have prevailed since before he was born. Jacob struggled to grab a place of spiritual authority. He was destined for that place. But until he wrestled, not with Esau, but until he wrestled himself down to the ground until he wrestled himself to a place of spiritual encounter with God where he said, I have seen God face to face. It was not until then that everything changed. I have seen God face to face, and my life has been preserved. Jacob, dirtied, Maybe bloodied. I just kind of see this all night long wrestling match. Fatigued. Gets up from the prayer meeting. He is now ready to meet his brother Esau. This is not how he planned it. He planned to show Esau how successful he was. How blessed he was. He thought the way he had always done it would work again this time. But it would not work this time. So now, not proud of anything he had, he is limping. I love this story because the Jewish people would not eat of that particular piece of meat, of the sinew that shrank in the hollowest thigh. It was a memorial to a prayer meeting that changed everything for an entire nation, for the stars of the sky and the sands of the seashore. It was a prayer meeting that changed everything for Jacob and every descendant of Jacob from then until now. it was the prayer meeting. And Esau sees his brother coming. Jacob there's nothing cocky left in him. Seven times. He bows down on the ground to show that he is willing to serve his brother and submit to his brother. I thought the story said that the older will serve the younger, but you, you are, you have a power and you have authority when you're willing to serve and humble yourself beneath the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you into season. (laughs) I don't know exactly how it happened, but maybe Esau dropped his sword, dropped his knife, dropped his spear. The Bible said he ran to Jacob, but Jacob is not running anymore. He is bowing. He is coming toward his brother. And when Esau gets to Jacob, they embrace, they weep on one another's neck, and they are are reconciled one to the other. The purpose of my message today is to tell you that even if you're born again, even if you've got promises on your life, even if you're somewhat successful, that something in every one of us has to come to a place like Jacob where we die to ourselves, we die to ambition, we die to pride, we die to ego where we say to God, let your great promise be birthed in me. I am willing to lay down my life for the promises of God. This message may not be for everyone today, but there's someone who has struggled to try to get what God has promised. You've tried to make it happen in business. You've tried to make it happen in family. You've tried to make it happen in ministry, but it will never happen the world's way. The heel grabber. has got to submit to God Almighty. And right now, would you please stand? I wonder if there's anybody in this house that feels the magnetic pull of God in your heart to a place of surrender to the lordship of Jesus Christ, to a prayer meeting. This altar is open even as I am speaking right now. You want to be the person that God has promised you to be. You're supposed to be the head and not the tail. You're supposed to be blessed. But you feel this epic struggle that you cannot make it happen. And now today, I'm inviting you, the people of this church, to say, God, I am laying it all on the line today. I want the blessing that comes from God on my life, in my family, in my business In my ministry, I have learned this that if you really have an encounter with God, you will always lead with a limp. You'll always be reminded that you cannot make this happen, that only God can make this happen there is a revival for our church there's a blessing for you but it's going to come on the other side of an encounter with God I think it's wonderful you need to have a prayer time in a prayer place but every once in a while there needs to be a brook for you're not praying by the clock you're praying until you get a breakthrough You're praying until God blesses you. You're praying until something changes inside of you. So lift your voice and call on the Lord right now. That's it. Esau will never be blessed of God. Jacob will only be blessed when he dies to himself.